verse 14. We're going to continue the series, The Rise of Sons. The Rise of Sons. You know, today as the music was playing and everything else, I was sitting there just worshiping the Father. And, I did, and that new song, I don't know where Miss Kaylee is at, but that new song they sang today. Powerful song. Powerful song. But as they were ministering and as they were lead, leading us, they're not performing. They're leading. And as they were leading us today in worship, I could not help but hear Holy Spirit tell me, Yahweh God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste when you mess up. He doesn't waste when you're alone. He doesn't waste when you're in the storm. He doesn't waste anything. Because all things... Work for the good for those that love him. I don't know who that word is for today, but let me tell you, for a man that has been in a storm, a man that has run away, a man that has been rebellious, a man that has been prideful, a man that I knew it all, a man that done this, done that, done whatever, I can tell you right now, he didn't waste any of it. He didn't waste any of it. Can I get an amen this morning? And for you in your life, wherever you may be today, there are some of you today, you're going through something. You're dealing with something. We just came out of the holidays. Some of y'all dealing with financial problems. <laughs> Am I not speaking the truth? He's not going to waste it. He's going to give you opportunity to make it right. But it takes work. It takes effort. And be on the other side. Can, I, can everyone say the other side? There is a miracle. There is a miracle. There is a miracle. Amen? Amen. I wouldn't prepare to share that, but that was something Holy Spirit put on my heart this morning. So that is for somebody in here today. Some of y'all sitting here today, you guys need to utilize the muscles on your face. Okay? Because, I, I, you, know, you know, you ever heard of the five languages of love? Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm a person, affirmation is big on me. So when I look out there and this is what I see, you know, turn the, the frown upside down. All right, give me a smile this morning. And some of y'all are still fighting it. That's okay. I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. I just won't look at you this morning. Amen. We're going to continue this series called The Rise of Sun. And I want to read out of Romans chapter 14, starting at verse 16. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Sometimes I don't think we all understand the, the magnitude of that statement. Because many times, as Steve has taught so often, we position ourselves in a place of, I'm a sinner. We put ourselves in a box that I'm a Christian. We put ourselves in a block that I am a Baptist or a Methodist. But see, the truth of the matter is it's none of those things. It's not a theology that God came to deliver to this world. He brought relationship to this world through his son, Jesus Christ. And so now because of that, we can call him Abba Father, and we are now sons. And that's, that's men and women. Verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Woo! Abba, Father. 
Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Can I get an amen this morning? If you get nothing else out of this morning, two things. He doesn't waste anything, and you are a son of the living God. I'm not talking about Buddha. I'm not talking about this religion or that. I'm not talking about create uh, uh, some funky Big Bang Theory. I'm talking about you are a son of the living God. The God that created the universe, that has put your cells together, that knew you before you were born. That is the God that you serve. That is the God that you call Abba Father. I remember some time ago having the opportunity to work with some people and their, their father happened to be a very important person, you know, with worldly standards. Very, very wealthy, very powerful, had a lot of, lot of authority, a lot of whatever. And the cool thing is, their children carried themselves differently because they knew who their father was. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? I don't know. I saw a couple of heads shake over there. You guys understand what I'm saying today? See, this is the thing. When you know who your father is, you get to walk in a different place. You get to walk in a different authority. You get to walk in a different power. You get to walk in a different anointing. I remember when I took care of this man that I sat there and took care of his children. And when they walked in, there was a difference of taking care of them as opposed to someone else in the clinic. It was different taking care of them as opposed to someone else that I saw on the street. It was because they walked in a different place. Do you understand that? You walk in a different place. You need to rise up, sons of God, and say to yourself, I walk in a different place because I know the Father that I serve. I know the Father that calls me son. I know who he is. Can I get an amen this morning? See, the thing is, man, <laughs> Holy Spirit is funny. You know, I write four or five pages of notes. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. But see, this is the thing. When you, and oh, we've been going through Rise of Sons. We've been, ta- Steve has been preaching this. We've been, he's been teaching this. And I can tell you, he's been teaching this <laughs> a long time. And the problem is, is too many times people don't really take full hold of what that means. They don't take full hold of understanding the place that they walk in. Being an ex-military guy, I had the privilege of working in special operation with some very high-end dudes. A lot of testosterone, let's say. (laughs) A lot of testosterone. Can I tell you? That when you're walking around base and those guys that are walking around, they got something on their chest. They have a special color beret that they're wearing. They have a little thing on their shoulder. And they walk around. They, from afar, you look at it and go, that's just another soldier. That's just another, oh, he's just in the Army. Oh, he's just in the Navy. Or he's just in the Marine Corps. He's just, well, Air Force, yeah. I don't know where Gaston's at. <laughs> yeah, he will. He'll let me know. 
But those guys, you, from afar, you can say, you look and you go, oh, that's who they are. But then when they walk up to you, and then you see something on their chest. See, some of you guys that serve in the military, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have family in the military, you know what I'm talking about. I'm explaining something to you that you don't understand what I'm talking about. So I want you to understand. Because when you walk with these things that you have earned. Now, this is the thing with Christ. This is the thing with God. We don't have to earn anything. We just have to receive. But this is the thing that you've earned and you've got to this place that you can do. That's why they call it special operation. Because you get to do special things. And see, as a son of the living God, as a son of the living God, guess what we get to do? We get to walk the same way. And there's a, there is a badge on our chest. There's a badge on our chest, and that is the, 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 the son of the living God, Jesus Christ. That's our badge. And as we walk, we are a son and identified as a son. We walk in that authority. Can I get an amen this morning? Hallelujah. Okay. Back to my notes. I just want to remind you about being a son. Okay? Because some of y'all, well, some of y'all are going to walk out of here today and say either Tom was, that was a good message. That was a terrible message. I didn't understand his English because he had too much Korean in it. I'm Korean, by the way. Or he yelled too much. He did this. Look, normally Denise will tell you, I'm a pretty chill dude. I'm high strung, but I'm chill. I am. She knows. I'm very high strung, but I'm chill. But, the, but this is the thing. Don't judge the word that's released today based on the person standing here. Judge a word that's being released today by what the Spirit of God is saying to your heart. That is what you got to walk out of here with. Now it's up to you. It is really up to you on what you do with it. I can sit here and yell, scream. Steve can come up here and, and, and preach until he turns blue. But unless you make that choice, nothing's going to change. Throughout the series of Rise of Sons, we have had the great privilege and opportunity over this last couple of months to be learning about the crucible of sonship, about Shema, a son's response, about reformation, about riding the ship, our role and place as sons in culture, about our birthright as a son, about the process set before us, and so much more. I want you to understand that being a son of the living God, being a son of Yahweh is a privilege. It is a privilege. It is an honor. And there has to be a thanksgiving in your spirit and in your heart to say thank you for this. You can't treat it flippantly. You have to treat it as the precious gift that it is. And be, with that being said, one thing I have learned on my journey as being a son is that he does not want you doing it by yourself. He does not want you to do it by yourself. In fact, in Yahweh said in, in Ecclesiastics, he says two are better than one. He says in Genesis 2, it says it is not good for men to be alone. 
Yahweh is a God of relationship. He's always about relationship. And he, doesn't, he didn't create you to be by yourself. He didn't create you just to come to church on a Sunday morning to sit there moping, get up, walk out, go home, and be by yourself. He created you to be joined. He created you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Because every person in this room, every person online, you have been called you have been purposed for something that is greater than you can imagine for yourself. Can I get an amen? amen? So today's message is do not do it alone. Rise up, sons. Rise up, sons. Now, I know some will sit there and say, oh, he's going to preach about the fivefold ministry. Oh, he's going to preach about church. And you're right. But partly... If you turn in your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He says there, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. He didn't say one cell. He didn't say one person. He said the body. If you turn over real quickly in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 24. And he says here, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. Let us consider how to stir up one another. Can I tell you today? I'm here to stir you up. Can I tell you today, when you're out there in the foyer and you're talking to someone here, they're stirring you up. Can I tell you that someone's out there or in here, they're stirring you up. They're challenging you. They're trying to equip you and prepare you because there is a bigger plan and a purpose. We all fit into this plan, this, this thing that... Father God has created for us to be a part of, to touch a world, to be a demonstration to a world, to be the light of the world. Can I get another amen? amen. Now, I bring these up because I think it's important because I know too often people get fixated on the fivefold. Or they get fixated on church. They get fixated on this, they get fixated on theology, they get fixated on seminary, they get fixated on this, that, the other. Am I sitting here saying those are bad, terrible, or indifferent? No, I'm sitting here, I brought this up today because I want you to understand it's important. But like I said earlier, you're partially right. Because today I'm not going to sit here and talk to you about the fivefold. I'm not going to sit here and talk to you about the church what I'm going to sit here and talk to you about is someone, an anointing that is different. I want to talk to you about an anointing that the Father has sent to us 
as a gift that is different. And if you do not receive and understand this, even if you don't understand it, you're not willing to receive it. I'm going to tell you, it's going to put you in a box. And what you end up doing is you're going to sit there and limit the ability that the anointing that he has in you to be released. So as you sit there today, take everything you have learned from other men and sit and allow the Spirit of God to speak to your heart. Allow Him to minister to you and take away the the different prejudices and and different stances that we may have as people from the different varied backgrounds that you may come from. And put it all aside. Put it all aside. Martin Luther was great back in the day. But his, his thesis is, they're there. We're moving on. I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward. I want to see where he's taking me, not where I've been. And so today, I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 14. You guys doing okay? Hey, those uh, smiles are turning into frowns. I, I need those. Uh, I need you to help me out up here, guys. First Corinthians chapter 4, 14. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. And I have to repent to James. I didn't give him that I also wanted this in a new, uh, new living translation. But here it says it a little bit differently in verse 15. It says, for even if you had 10,000 others teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. You only have one. So guess what our topic is about today? You can't do this alone. He has called us to a place of understanding and receiving spiritual fathers. Now, some of you may be sitting there going, I know about spiritual fathers. I got this. Can I tell you? 10, 11 years ago, I thought I'd had it down too. I thought I knew. See, spiritual fathers hold a very special place. Yahweh has placed a unique, special anointing on these men. An anointing that sometimes you can't even really... Describe. If I ask some of you to come up here and describe your relationship with your father, who your father is now, you know, some it's going to, you know, it could vary from terrible to amazing, but it's going to be different because your father is unique to you. Oh. And I believe the father also, and when I say father, I'm talking about Yahweh, has established men. That he has given specific spiritual children, specific spiritual sons to be joined to in order to be able to raise them up. Just as I have been blessed with two daughters, he gave me two girls. 
Not a boy, not five girls. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Woo! I didn't get triplets. <sighs> Woo! But he, get, he knew exactly the children I needed. And they were specifically created for me. Can I tell you that you as spiritual people, as spiritual beings, you've been given a spiritual father. That the father has anointed and placed a call on to sit there and come into your life. To be able to speak into your life and touch the places that others cannot touch. To be able to be someone that you can, as he said here and Paul said here, to imitate him. See, many of us in the church world, what I have learned when I went through school is, oh, if Paul was here, we'll do what Paul said. It's amazing how that happens. It's amazing, oh, if Peter was standing here and he said, oh, yeah, I'll do that. But when Steve's up here or his, whoever he allows to come and be a part of this ministry and release something, you cannot sit there and put walls up and say, you don't know what you're talking about. Because let me tell you right now, I am a result of a man that became my spiritual father, still my spiritual father, and will be my spiritual father. Amen. I'm just going to read through these real quick. You don't have to put these up there. If you're taking notes, please write these down. 1 Timothy 1, 2. Paul writes to Timothy, he said, My true child in, in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. In New Living Translation, he goes, My true son. He calls Timothy his son. Peter calls Mark my son. Because, see, there's a difference in a relationship you may have with a man that's a pastor, an apostle, an evangelist, a prophet, or a teacher. There's a difference when you, you, you greet them, meet them, and they speak into your life than there is of your father. Now, I'm not sitting here talking in any form or fashion because I, I know someone's going to say, oh, you can't make God, man like God. I'm not sitting here saying that a spiritual father replaces Abba Father. Get that clear. But the spiritual father is sent to be his voice. I shared back there with the folks this morning that God recognizes and identifies himself as a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't just say, I'm God. He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can I tell you right now, I am a son to Steve Parker, who's a son to F. Nolan Ball. And I serve the God of F. Nolan Ball, of Steve Parker, and Tom Weichart. Can I get an amen this morning? So we have to come to this understanding of this amazing gift of the Father. Too often we want a pastor. See, a pastor you can walk away from. Am I being real? Somebody, if I was just up here being a, well. I don't want my spiritual father. You have an evangelist, they come and speak to you for a day. You get saved. You may never see him again. In fact, the man that led me to Christ, I haven't seen him since that, that summer. 
I've had numerous pastors in my life. God sends them, the fivefold are sent to serve a purpose, to equip you, to prepare you. Spiritual fathers are sent to love you, to care for you, and to walk with you. Oh, so, spiritual fathers are sent to love you, to care for you, and to walk with you. You can't run. My dad, my natural father, is buried in Arlington National Cemetery up in D.C. Until the day I die, he will always be my father. You can't, I can't run. I can't outrun him. You hear what I'm saying? Some of you kids in here, you can't outrun your mom and daddy. You will always be their child. You may not like them. You may hate them. I don't know where you are, but let me tell you right now, you can't outrun them. They will always be your father. They will always be your mother. And the same thing when it comes to spiritual fathers. They will always be. They will always be your father. I firmly believe without a shadow of a doubt that we are called to a man, a spiritual father that we are called to join to, submit to, and allow to walk with us and to work in our lives and to direct us and direct us as the Holy Spirit directs him our steps. It is the truth. Any parents in here? If you're not a parent, don't sit ever. Oh, my Lord, I'm going to say something that I probably shouldn't say. <laughs> if you don't have a human child in your household or have raised a human child, don't compare other things in the world as the same. Because no dog going to rebel against you because you're going to put them in a crate. Am I not telling the truth? You get tired of them, you put them out in the yard, and you just close the door. But guess what? You come back, they're going to be there. And some of y'all, I want you to understand this. Some of y'all, you you've gone through that rebellious state. You've gone through that place, right? How many in here? Anybody? Show of hands. Some of y'all still in that place. Ooh, somebody, y'all, oh, Lord Jesus. Can I share a story? I'm going to share it anyway, but <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. It didn't go over very well, my bad. I want to, I, I feel sometimes when I, when you share, you share your own personal experience, it translates. Right? It translates. Because sometimes when you, you hear a man preach and they point to Scripture, they point about this person in the Bible, that person, or they talk about something that you're sitting there going, I don't know how that relates to me. You go, I don't know how that affects me or impacts me. So I asked Holy Spirit, I said, how best can I share? Instead of just preaching at you and going 
off scripture, not that scripture is, is a bad thing, it's a beautiful thing. But he said, share a little bit about your testimony. So that then they can maybe somebody in here can relate. Because see, this is the thing. I don't when I share my testimony, you have a testimony too. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? You know what? One of the things I used to always think to myself, sometimes we people, us believers, our sons, we compare our testimony with other people's testimony. You man. <laughs> When I did this, and then God saved me. Oh, yeah, but guess what? I was in jail, and God saved me. And then what we end up doing, we hold the testimony as a badge instead of holding Christ as our badge. Oh, we're going back to that again. See, the beautiful badge is when I, I, I know Matt and Kaylee Hoffman. They've never experienced some of the stupid, silly things that I've experienced in my life. That's the testimony. Is that not the testimony? <laughs> they didn't do some of the dumb, silly, dumb, crazy things that I did. That's the testimony. That's the greater testimony. It's not how much I used to drink. It is not about how much I did this or how much I did that, and then God pulled me out of the gutter. It is about person receiving Christ, and they are able to walk as a son from the very beginning. That's the testimony. Raiden will never see, amen, the silly things. And so I, Holy Spirit told me to share my testimony. So as I share my testimony, I'm sharing it not because I'm trying to, oh, look at me, because it ain't about me. It's about you connecting with what Holy Spirit's trying to tell you today. Can I get an amen this morning? And if you've heard some of these stories, forgive me. But it's my life. And I'm thankful to the Father for every bit of it. Because it brought me to the place I'm standing here today. I was born in 1968. I know some of you guys in here, you're like. <laughs> yes, there's history books written about that year. To a Korean mom and a, an American dad, a military guy, came to the United States. Fast forward a little bit. My mom got sick. My dad got sick. Next thing you know, at 10, at 10 years old, my brother and I, he was 8, I was 10. We both ended up in foster care. Okay? I'm not, no, no, you know what? Let me tell you something. Can I tell you? That has, made me, that has helped make me the man I am today. Because, see, what has happened is, you take me and my brother together, same experiences in life. But Holy Spirit did something in me that drove me to a place to continue to press in. And my brother, I'll leave it there, somewhere else. Because everything's a choice. Everything. So I share that because that I just want to kind of give you context. At 10 years old, we're in foster care. Now, as a Korean kid... I mean, I was raised in a Korean house. We ate Korean food. I remember the first foster home we went to was in, in Augusta, Georgia. Anybody been to Augusta, Georgia before? In 1977? Weren't too many people of my color there. In fact, the school I went to, I think I was the only person 
of Asian descent in that school. And I remember going there, and the first morning we had breakfast, they gave us toast and grits. Now, remember, at home I spoke Korean. At home we ate Korean. I'm now eating toast and grit. I remember waking up, scared out of my mind. My brother and I, we walk in together into this kitchen. And all the boys, there was like three other boys there. They're like, boom, boom, boom. They're trying to get as much food as they can. And I'm like, oh, cr- oh excuse me. Oh, s- shucks. I wasn't going to say a bad word. I was going to say crap, but I ran over there, and I started getting this stuff, and I was like, is this rice? I was like, man, white people got some funny-looking rice. I'm not a racist guy. I joke about it because it's, to me, I look back, it's hilarious. And so for the next nine months, guess what we ate for breakfast? Toast and grits. Every morning. Every morning. I'll tell you their names so you can go visit them if you want some grits. <laughs> and every day for nine months, anybody like bologna? Oh, see, some of y'all crazy. Some of y'all crazy I like that bologna. Y'all need to be delivered. Archie, we're going to pray for you today, bro. For nine <laughs> For nine months, my brother and I, I remember eating nine months every day. God is my witness. Every day, bologna sandwich. One bologna sandwich, one slice, ketchup, mustard, two pieces of bread. You go outside and eat it. Oh, see, see. I just was like, are we going to get any rice with this? No rice. So I sat there, and guess what? I remember going in. I hate to say this. Oh, man. I went in as a 10-year-old. If you saw a picture of me at 10 years old before I went into foster care, I was a plump little boy. (laughs) A little chubby. I went to boot camp for nine months. I came out. I was slim and trim. First time I ever had chitlins. Exactly. I remember coming home that day from school. My brother and I would walk in, and I was like, what is that smell? And with the, it's 1977, child care is different than in 2023 or 24. Foster parents at that time could, well, I don't know if they could, but they did. They could spank you. They could correct you. And I remember my brother and I were like, we walk in, we're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh Jesus. Oh, and we didn't even know Jesus. We, oh my God. Where's Buddha? I don't know where Buddha is. And I remember I thought the toilet overflowed. Anybody making some chitlins tonight? Make that free breeze, get it going. Needless to say, my brother and I skipped dinner that night. My brother and I, I remember back, remember, how many channels did we have in 1977, those that are my age? No, no, no. 
We had four. <laughs> CBS, NBC, ABC, and PBS. Oh, see, y'all forgot PBS because y'all didn't like watching PBS. Oh, they're reading it again. But you had those four channels, and I read, and we had to be in bed at a certain Anyway, we would sneak bread at night. I tell you this not because I want you to go, oh. Don't go, oh. I'm telling you this because I want you to understand something. It began to shape who Tom became. At the time, it shaped me in a very negative way. They tried to place us with my grandparents up in New York. They said, no, we don't want them. Sad part is, is Dagum, social worker, came up and told us that. You would think they would probably say, no, we can't send you to another state. But they flat out told us. So now I'm dealing with a rejection, isolated, haven't seen my mom or dad for nine months. Next thing I know, we go from that, mom and dad come out of the hospital, go back to them. Two years later, she dies. My dad's back in the hospital. Guess where my brother and I are back? What's up? I gained a little weight. I get to lose it again. We end up right back where we started. And that went on until I graduated high school at 17 years old. And one of the things that I remember, no one ever told me. See, this is the thing. When I was growing up, I didn't have a father to model my life after. And I remember as a 20-year-old, as an 18-year-old, as a 19-year-old, when people will sit there and say how hard their life was, I would always say, look, man, pull up your bootstraps, pull up your big boy pants, suck it up, buttercup, and let's move on. We all got problems. But you don't understand what I went through. I understand. But pull them up, let's go. And what ended up happening is my heart became very callous toward people that were suffering. My heart began to shift. My heart began to become very cold. And so I was like, I want to go in the military. And there are certain things I want to do to other people. Legally. Legally. And so what ends up happening is I go in and they train you to legally do those things. But then something amazing happened. See, I was happy being my own person. I didn't have deep relationship with any person. I hadn't, again, let me, I'm saying this because I want you to understand. Some of you are under, kind of relating where I'm going with this. Some of you guys don't have a father. Some of y'all probably came from worse circumstances than I came from. Some of y'all may be dealing with some things with your parents, your father, or whoever right now. Or maybe your own children. I don't know. All I know is this, then a faithful day came. I joined the army for one specific purpose, but then God said, I'm going to use it for something for your good. And I was in a special ops unit, and there was a sergeant there. And the sergeant that I used to work with, I was looking at him. And I remember when I got there, I was like, he don't talk like the rest of us. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about because some of y'all still talking that way. Oh, I didn't mean to step on. Yeah, I did. I did. Some of y'all still talking that way. Still talking about the things that I talked about back then. Some of y'all going places you shouldn't go because that's what we used to do back then. Participate in things we shouldn't participate in, consume things we shouldn't consume. 
But there was something different about this one man. Sergeant. Everybody in our unit respected this guy. He didn't hang out with us. He didn't party with us. Nothing. But they knew that this man, he would take a bullet for you like that. So he had the love and respect of every team member there. And this is a beautiful part of this story. Is that I sat there and for a year I sat there and go, what is wrong with him? What is wrong with him? I wasn't looking for God. I blamed God. Anybody done that before? I blamed God why I was where I was. I blamed God that all my f- people, that friends and people I've known, they had better lives than I had. I blamed God because I had to suffer the childhood I had to live in. I blamed God I didn't get a car at 16. I blame God for this, that, and the other. And what ended up happening is this young man came into my life, and I sat there and looked at him, and I said, he has the respect of everybody, but there is something different about him. I was not looking for God. I was looking for an answer. Some of y'all need to be an answer and stop trying to be somebody's God. Oh, see, that's good right there. That's good right there. That was good to me. I didn't even know I was going to say that. Holy Spirit, man. People ask me, how you, I, I, Holy Spirit. You don't need to be God to people. You don't need to be a Bible thumper preacher to people. You need to be an answer to people. They need to look at you and go, there is hope. There's some there. I don't know what, but there is some there. He has some I need. And I remember one day we're sitting in his office. I said, Sergeant, Sergeant, what's up, man? I'm just being real. What's up, bro? I know I closed the door so no one heard me call him, bro. I said, man, you can't. Man, we're going out tonight. You going to come? Why you don't? And he was like, Tom, let me stop you right there. That's not me. That's not who I am. I have a different kind of joy. I have a different kind of peace. And I live my life differently. Not that I'm better. I'm just different. And I said, okay, okay, okay. I want to know what you're different for. Why are you different? He said, I can't talk to you about that here. But if you come to my house after work, we'll get a cup of coffee, I'll tell you. I said, you bet. We're on. Sorry. I'm, I'm just going back. I'm going back. You guys looking at a 55-year-old going, bet. What? What? <laughs> So I went, met this young man. We sat down. We started talking. He brought out a book. Sat it down at the table. I immediately knew what the book was. And I said, because I saw the, you know, it says Holy Bible on the side. I said, bro, I, 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 mm, no, no. He said, Tom, I'm not here to try I'm not here to convert you. That's not my job. You ask me a question. I'm going to give you an answer. You won't sit here because you drank my coffee. (laughs) And I outrank you. So I sat. And he began to share his life. See what he shared? His testimony. He began to share who he was and what he'd been through. And the stupid dumb, crazy 
idiotic things he did back here that he thought was cool, but that was killing him. And that faithful day came, he came to know who Jesus Christ was, accepted him as his Lord and Savior, submitted, and ever since then, his life dramatically changed. It didn't happen overnight. But one step by one step, one day by one day. And when I started hearing the genuineness of his testimony, and he then shared with me about relationship with the God of this universe. I began something in my spirit started to stir. And I said, I want to know this God. And at that day in June, I'm not like Steve, I don't have the exact day. But I remember the year and month, June of 1990. I gave my life wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ. And then I began to mark myself for this journey that I have been on. Now... Fast forward. I'm in college now. I get out of the military. I'm in college. I'm going through uh, military training at ROTC and stuff like that. And I know you're going, well, what, what? No, there's a lot, lot, lot of other silly things that happen. A lot of things that I, he was ripping out of my heart, ripping out of my mindset. Just a lot of things he was doing in me. I met my wife. We got married. Ooh, she is. She has put up with some stuff. In 19, I walked away from God back in 19, at the end of 1990. I got saved in June and December I walked away. And you ask me, why would you walk away? Simple reason. I started going to a church. And for me, as you could probably tell by my excitement, it was pretty dry. I like loud music. I like loud preaching. I like, uh, I'm, I'm an in-your-face kind of guy. And I was like, ah, this 50 minutes ain't doing it for me. If this is what God is, is this what serving God is about? It's not for me. And I walked away. But in 1993, I started going to University of Florida, went to school. There's a purpose in me telling you this, because this is a part of where we're going to end with in this story. You guys okay? Yeah. In 1993, I started going to the University of Florida. There happened to be a ministry in Gainesville that was recommended to my wife and I. And I was like, and we haven't been to church since nine, December 1990. I said, oh, man. <laughs> Babe, now she was raised church, Pentecostal, all that stuff, so hallelujah, bless you. She took me to her church. I was like, oh, Lord, no, we're not doing that. (laughs) It literally was a white chapel. I went with her mom and her and all that. I'm like, I don't know what they're doing, what they're saying, what they, uh, oh, nope, we're done. Get all you want. We're out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So then I said, okay, we'll go. We'll check it out. They were in a classroom, meeting in a classroom. I said, well, this is different. As soon as I walked in, there was a man standing there. 
His name is Pastor George Brantley. Some of y'all know who I'm talking about. I walked in there. He greeted me and my wife. And it wasn't like any other pastor. It wasn't like another person. It was just, it was another five-fold guy. This was something, there was a difference. I didn't know what it was, but I was, oh my gosh. What's going on in this classroom? I'm here. So we stayed, and then we moved to a movie theater. Then we got into a building. And he became a spiritual father to me for two and a half years until I graduated. And then the military said, it's time to go. I went back in as an officer, and George and his family, they, his wife, they came and pr- they prayed over us, sent us. Can I tell you, in that two and a half years, I learned how to love my wife properly. I learned how to become a father to my girls. I learned how to get my finances in order. I learned how to be a godly man. Now, some may say, well, you can get that out of Scripture. You can get that from a pastor. You can get this from this. No, you can get it from a spiritual father that's willing to take you by the hand and walk with you. And say, Tom, because see, a pastor will talk to a certain way or a preacher will talk to a certain way. You'll get up and walk out the door and never see him again. But when you're connected, when you're joined, you can't just do that. So we left. We went. Long story short, we looked and looked and looked. Every place at PCS, every place we went, D.C. and Fort Bragg and Fort Stewart and all these other places all over the United States, all around the world. We tried to find another church that I felt like, man, this is where home is. Never felt like home. See, home is because mom and daddy are there. You hear what I'm saying? Mom and daddy are there. And so when I sat there in 2002, we were still looking. I was coming back to Central Florida. The military sent me back to Central Florida. And I was like, well, we're going to, we're com- contemplating commuting back and forth to Gainesville to go to church. That's how much an impact that man had in my life, in my family's life. In fact, this is how good a father is, a spiritual father. He was the catalyst that allowed myself to find healing with my natural father. That brought my natural father to church to accept Christ. And then four months later, he died. So I can honestly say that the day's going to come when I'll see my mom. I will see my dad because I know where they are. Now, some of y'all are saying, well, what about your mom? Well, she went to some Korean Christian church. I remember because the pastor showed up, spoke Korean. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. She never took us. But he reassured me that she was saved. See, a father does that. He took his arm and took his arm around my dad, brought him in, sat him down. We talked and shared. He ministered and released, not because it was his job. He did it because he cared for me. He loved me. He loved my dad. And he led us and walked us along this journey. Fast forward 2002. I know I'm, getting, I'm long-winded. I apologize, but... I just want you to hear my heart today. I want you to hear the Father's heart today. 2002, I came to a place. We're looking around for a church and everything else, and then uh, we're going to go. I was like, we're going to go back to Gainesville. And she's like, no, we can't do that. It's too far. I don't want to take the girls. Oh. And I was like, fine. 
So she did a web search. <laughs> Old folk know what I'm talking about. Dagum thing was about this big. Found the rock of Central Florida. And I remember we got in a van, minivan, minivan owners out there. Shout out to minivan owners. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Ride that thing like it's cool. That's all I got to say. Because you're not, but it's okay. <laughs> so we, we pull up. We get the address. Am I, we, 17, I'm like, we go down 1792. I don't see a church. Go back this way. I don't see a church. There's a big lots. <laughs> go back. Pull in a parking lot. I'm saying, now back then you couldn't just go, oh, look, where's your phone? Yeah. And I was too poor to afford a GPS. I said, I said you got the address? We, we wrote it down. I'm like, we're looking around. I'm like, what? It's a storefront. And I remember telling my wife, I said, I ain't going in there. She said, what do you mean you're not going in there? I said, that's a storefront. That's not a church. She said, oh, we're going in there. And I said under my breath, okay. <laughs> so we went in. I didn't want to go in. But when I went in, it was August of 2002. October of 2002, Steve talked about sonship. Whew. Takes me back. He started preaching about sonship. And I remember at the end of a service, he was putting, cleaning up some stuff in the aisles back in the day because he did everything. And I remember stopping him and saying, sir, can I talk to you real quick? He goes, what do you need to talk to me about? And I said, sir, I just want you to know I submit myself to you as a spiritual son. And he said, I receive you as my spiritual son. Becoming a spiritual son doesn't mean we're going to be best friends. What it means is there's a unique relationship that occurs, a unique bond, because as soon as I did that, it was a vow I took. It was a commitment I made, and the same on his behalf. And as many of you already know, there's a time. If you ever raised children, you know you raise kids. There's that certain age, about 12, 13. <laughs> Some of y'all still 30 and you're still acting that way. You start acting out, you become rebellious. And I know pastors that would easily have said, I'm done with you. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. But because of the commitment, because of the commitment of a spiritual father, he never gave up on me. Even when I thought he did. See, I tell you all this because, see, going back, my childhood played a part in how I was responding. Remember earlier I said he doesn't waste anything. He didn't waste those years that I was in rebellion. Because what he used, that to transform me and change me, to bring me to a place that I'm in a place that now... You can't put words on it. 
you can't describe it. Some of y'all don't really understand what I'm talking about. If you ever wronged your mom, wronged your dad, wronged someone you love, wronged your spouse, wronged God, but then you always know that you can go back and they take you and they love you and they see you and they receive you. See, sonship is different than just being a part of a church. Sonship is about relationship. You can't run from God and you cannot run from the call of being a son and a spiritual father that is called to oversee. So I share my story. And I used to walk with this. And this is the funny part, Miss Kim, if I may. Can I just be open? I guess I've been. I don't know. I remember coming home. I wasn't planning on sharing this, so forgive me. But I remember coming home and being home. Because this is where I was joined to. In 2002. And as the prodigal son came home to a faithful father. I came home. And when I came home, I walked around. Every time I came into the building, I felt shame and guilt. I felt I let him down. I felt I let you guys down. I let myself down, my family down. I share that because of this. Guilt, shame, judgment, self-judgment. All those things is nothing but a lie. Some of you, there may be somebody in your life you need to go and make right today. You need to sit there and humble yourself to a place to say, I am going to be a child of God because I am a son of God and I'm going to position myself to say you know what father you have loved me you received me you have given me a man that has embraced me and guided me now I need to step out I need to step out and be that voice some of y'all there's some healing that has to happen in your lives there's some miracles that needs to happen in your lives. Some of you young people, you need to line up with mom and daddy. You need to come back to them and you need to say, mom and dad, I'm sorry. And whoever your spiritual daddy is, I believe and I know it's Steve Parker in this house. There needs to be a connection. There needs to be a commitment. There needs to be a re- willingness to receive. Can I get an Amen. Because what happens too often, we sit there and we do it our own way. And when you're doing it your own way, you're by yourself. He doesn't want you to do it alone. He loves you too much. He loves you too much. Amen. I don't, I don't know how. Oh. Well, I'll talk to you guys again next year. I just had so much in me. And I hope you could receive what I'm saying and hear the heart behind it. (laughs) 
Kaylee said something to me this morning. Kaylee Shove said something to me this morning. She said, you're a miracle. And, I, you know, for me, it's hard for me to receive because I'm not, I'm like, what? No. Honestly, you know what the miracle is? Is the spiritual father that brought me back. That's the miracle. That's the miracle. He's the miracle. He's the reason I'm standing here today. And I'm going to continue to walk with him. Hell or high water. Because I know, some of y'all know where I live. Y'all probably come and kick my butt if I didn't. <laughs> and I hope you do. Amen. But see, after going through what I've gone through, see, he came to me and said, you need to go out there and dig a ditch. I know there's a purpose in me digging that ditch. Sometimes you have to hear when Steve's up here speaking, he's preaching, he's teaching, when he puts his arm around you, when he talks to you one-on-one, he's speaking not by the understanding of a man. He's speaking as a spiritual father to this house. And it's not about age. It's not about what you know, what you think you know. It's about talking by the spirit from a man to another person. He's releasing what the father has given. He entrusts men with people. He did since the dawn of time, and he will continue until the day comes that it all ends. And I don't care when that happens because I know where I am. I am home. Amen. And you are too. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet this way. Hallelujah. I didn't realize there was a clock up there, bro. I, yeah, the red don't stick out. You need to go yellow, man. You need to go like beep, 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 beep. Let us pray. Father, oh. Yahweh, you are so faithful. You are so good. You are amazing. You're awesome. You love us. Even in our muck and mire, you love us when we mess up. You don't, you still love us. You still have grace for us. And I thank you for that. I thank you for seeing us right where we are. And I thank you for using those things that were wrong, those things that were broken, using all things for our good. Even when we mess up, you still say, I can do something good with it. Father, I'm thankful to you for that. And Father, I am thankful for the gift. I am thankful for the fivefold. I am thankful for Scripture. I am thankful for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that comes and dwells within me. I'm thankful for your Word, your living Word. But I am also thankful for the spiritual Father you have given me. I am thankful for the man that you have set at this pulpit to be a visionary, to lead this ministry, to protect this ministry, to guide this ministry, and to raise up sons. He has been equipped for such a time as this. And I thank you and I receive it. I pray blessing over him. And as he is a father to those up in mid-Michigan, as he releases, may the suns rise in mid-Michigan today in the name of Jesus. I declare right now, mid-Michigan, you are not going just to a church. You're going home. You're going home. You're going home. And I declare right now that that will continue to permeate. And as, the, as Steve continues to do your will and your work, Father God, that you continue to give him the strength the courage, and the boldness to be the man that you have called him to be. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, 